Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. And welcome to Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Great to have you company. There is a belief that if all the wealth was distributed evenly around the Western world, then it would actually end up in exactly the same hands. So why is it some people become more wealthy than others? Michael Yardney of Metropole Property Solutions is a leading property investment expert who has researched the psychology of the super-rich and what has led them to their financial success. Michael releases a weekly blog at propertyupdate.com.au and his most popular topic to date has been the different ways the rich and poor people think. In this interview today with Michael, we discuss some of those fundamental differences and why there really are no rich victims in life. Michael Yardney, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. My pleasure to be back again, Caroline. Wonderful to have you back. Now, this is one of your favourite topics. It's also one of your most popular blogs, The Different Ways the Rich and Poor Think. Now, according to research, there are very distinct differences between the two groups. Let's start by talking a little bit about the psychology of this topic. Before we start, may I make a comment that this is not a judgment of people. It's nothing to do with rich or poor, good or bad. It's just that most of us want to become wealthy. And in a previous session, we've discussed that wealth has nothing to do with true wealth. has nothing to do with how much property you've got, how much money you've got, how, how big your share portfolio is. True wealth has much more to do with your friends and your family and your health and your spirituality and your contribution what they take away when you get rid of all the money and property and shares. But if we can, this session, just talk about money, would that be okay, Caroline? Yes, we'd love that. Sure. So I think most of us do want more money. And then the question is, why do some people think uh, become more successful than others, have bigger share portfolios, have bigger property portfolios, have more successful businesses? And I've been studying people in my mentorship group over the years, there's very successful clients I have and those who are not so successful and I know a lot of other people have and they've written books about it. Um, You mentioned one of my popular blogs, I guess one of the most looked at blog was one by a a gentleman called Thomas Cawley, he's actually a a New York based financial planner who writes for my property update blog uh, and he's written a book called Rich Habits, The Daily Success Habits of Wealthy Individuals and he suggests that rich people think very differently to the average person. Okay. So just before we get into those specific statistics, let's talk about your reticular activating system, your RAS. Well, that's an interesting concept that in your mind, you've got to blank out a whole lot of 
extraneous noise, a little bit like what you've got to do when you're a trader or a property investor or a business person because there's always all this noise there. But if you're talking about the way you live, at the moment you're probably not thinking about sitting on the seat at the moment and the, your backside sitting on the seat or your feet on the ground or you're breathing. Um, but your reticulating activating system is a bit like the Google search engine. It actually decides what you concentrate on and what you don't. And a really good example of that, many years ago, I remember I was driving down the Pian Highway, Alston Week, where all the car yards are in Melbourne, where I was teaching my son to drive, and Harrison said, hey, Dad, look at all the Corollas. And I said, where, Harrison? Look at all the Mercedes. <laughs> Basically, what you focus on is what you see. Um, when you buy, buy, to buy a, a, a new fridge, all of a sudden, all the brochures talk about fridges and ads on TV do, and all the rest of the time, you blank it out. It's the way your mind concentrates so that you're not overwhelmed, it gives you perspective. So what it actually does is decide what you think about, and therefore what you think about is what you do and in some ways what you become, and it also decides what you don't think about. You can't become anything you can't perceive. Lovely. You've said in a previous interview we've done, and I've also heard you say it at your seminars, that if all the wealth was distributed evenly around the world, it would actually end up in exactly the same hands. It's an incredible perspective. Why do you think that is? Well, um, lotteries, people win the lottery, and four or five years later they've lost it. People get an inheritance, and again after a period of time it's gone, because we all have a financial thermostat. We actually have a level of comfort we're wealthy with. And most of us will not accept or understand that because we all want more wealth, but we are not programmed to get it. So it's our internal programming that stops it, even though we want it. Like my internal programming doesn't allow me to lose weight, uh, despite me wanting to be or to be fitter. So this morning I was going to walk for 15 minutes on the treadmill, but I stopped at 12. I could have gone that extra 15. <laughs> Who knows why? And then I went and had something to eat for breakfast that probably wasn't as healthy as I should have. So we all have things we want to do, and we know how to do, and we understand what to do. But interestingly, we don't do it. This is happening subconsciously. And this is related to our thermostat. We have got a level of comfort in our thermostat. So Louise, for example, would have spent more time in the gym this week uh, <laughs> than I've spent in, in my whole life. Uh, Caroline, I missed gym this morning. That, that's five years in a row now. <laughs> that sounds as viciously like a limiting belief, Michael. <laughs> and, and so, yes, it's like so many other things that financial thinking has to do with the way you believe and yes you're right there are a lot of limiting beliefs there aren't there all right let's go through some of these statistics because they're really quite incredible number one 87 percent of poor people believe that you must be intellectually gifted in order to become wealthy whereas only 10 percent of wealthy people thought so well interesting that's because Victims tend to blame others, and there's no such thing as a rich victim. So the statistic that Thomas Corley found when he was studying these wealthy people and average people were that the poor people blamed, I haven't got a good education, I haven't got a good job, my parents didn't teach me this. Wealthy people don't believe that. Interestingly, when you look at the BRW Rich 200 list that comes out every year, it's coming out again uh, soon, um, it showed that tertiary education, even secondary education wasn't necessary in the BRW rich 200 list we had migrants we had people who were given money for inherited money and uh, we, we had people who worked really hard so most people though believe 
I guess they feel comforted by the fact that it's not my fault because it's, I am um, uh, not intellectually gifted or I wasn't given this money. Again, you've got to become the pilot of your life, be the cause of all the things that happens to you rather than the passenger of your life where you're on, on the other side of the equation. There's no such thing as a rich victim. I like that. Yes. I guess there are other beliefs that people had as well. 90% of poor people believed that fate determined their wealth. Uh, it, it, had, it was luck. And again, this is being a passenger in the game of life rather than a pilot. I believe we have a future waiting for us. I think most of our listeners would agree with that. And I also believe the future is not predetermined. The fact that somebody has got an email a number of months ago, subscribed to Talking Trading, taken the trouble to listen to this show to improve themselves, they're creating their fortune, they're creating their future. While the majority of people who get these emails think, oh, that's not for me, that's for somebody else. It has nothing to do with luck. We're creating, we're determining our future, Caroline. How important is financial fluency? Well, the majority of Australians don't understand the concept of money, again, because we've been taught by, in general, unwealthy people. So when you, I run into people who are in their 60s, who are 50s, and suddenly say, I want to build a property portfolio, it's a bit late. Uh, but they've never even got around to it or thinking about it before. So in Thomas Corley's study, he found that 70%, 77%, I apologize, like close to 80% of people believe um, that, that, that lying was a, a prerequisite to uh, achieving wealth. They believed that poor people were good and rich people were, didn't understand the rules of money. They, all, they, all they remembered was what they were taught by their parents, the, the, the dirty money, filthy rich, uh, that funny saying about the eye of a needle and a camel can't get through it. Um, so they don't understand the way the tax system the financial system, the property system, the share market works, they're not financially fluent because we're not taught that at school. We're not taught that at university. Um, and so, therefore, that's, I guess, where there's a space for good education, like what Chris Tate and Louise do in the share market arena and what I hope I do in the property arena. You've got to become financially fluent. If you don't know how the rules of the game, you can't win. 22% of poor people believe that optimism was important to success, whereas 54% of the rich believed optimism was very important. I guess it's back to the reticular activating system, isn't it? It's the glass half full or the glass half empty in the share market, in the property market, in the economic market. You're always going to find reasons uh, that the things may not look good. There's always going to be negative news. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way the media now works. In the old days, you used to get your paper once a day. Today, there's the continual conveyor belt of news on Twitter and Facebook and the Internet. And so they're looking for sensationalism. And bad news in particular uh, gets uh, more clicks and opens up uh, uh, web pages. So you're going to find negativism. On the other hand, wealthy people recognize that if you look for opportunities, there's always going to be there. So while the, I guess the, the, op, uh, the optimists and pessimists are going to argue whether the glass is half full or glass, em, uh, glass is half empty, the realists are just going to drink the glass of water and move on. <laughs> Back to the victim mentality. 82% of the poor people believe they're not actually responsible for their poverty, whereas 79% of the rich believe they are the cause of their financial condition. 
Yes, it goes back to what we said a moment ago, Caroline, that in general, you've got to accept that you're the cause of all the effects of your life. The results of the way you think and you feel internally will reflect externally on your actions and on your uh, results that you get. This was written many, many years ago in The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Wattles almost a decade ago. Your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings lead to your actions, your actions lead to your results. We have no one else to blame other than ourselves, but the poor blame the system, the world, the tax department, their boss. They don't take responsibility, and unless they do, it's not going to change. One of my mentors, uh, Jim Rowan, said, "If you uh, what you are, you can change. You're not a tree. He basically said that for it to change, you must change. If you don't like what's happening, do something different about it. Don't blame. 90% of the poor believe the rich were rich because their parents were wealthy and they inherited money. That's again saying, well, it's not my fault. If I had rich parents, I'd be rich. The truth is that in Australia in particular, we are a country of people who've come, many from migrant families that were not wealthy and many from average working families that have worked their way up. So if we were talking about money and rich in that regard, our richest people are, well, we're the wealthiest country in the world, but even our poorest are richer than the rich of many other countries. So rich and poor are maybe bad terms. They're not allowed to blame the system for everybody but if you do keep blaming you'll never work up the opportunity the courage the knowledge to move to the next level stop blaming i know well psychology is a topic that's very close to your heart and i've heard you speak in your seminars a lot about it how can people actually change their programming and internal beliefs about money well i think first of all by understanding what they are because a lot of the way we think is subconscious or unconscious you don't realize it. we're all driving around with one foot on the accelerator and one on the brake we're doing some positive things we're trading the share market we're buying properties we're going to work we're saving some money but we're also walking around with limiting beliefs so we're driving around with one foot on the accelerator and one on the brake and these limiting beliefs are the unconscious ones that you're not aware of the self-talk that one has the doubts that one has um and so, therefore, it's really very important to get the right people around you. You need mentors. You need coaches. You need people to have transformational conversations with you. You need people to be able to see your blind spots. Um, and that's why I have mentors and coaches and why Chris Tate, uh, Louise Bedford, and I once a month get together and talk about our own businesses and our own wealth. And we, we learn from each other. You need to spend time on yourself and invest in your education. I've found all successful people, This one of the secrets of successful people is that they have mentors and other educators around them who they can rely on. You offer a mentorship program, which I have actually done. Can you tell us the details about it? Well, Caroline, it came about because many years ago, I learned the power of personal development. I didn't know about it. I wasn't born with it. And if you would have asked me 25 years ago, what's the difference between successful people and other people, I would have said it's their knowledge. I went through a terrible time over 20 years ago in a divorce and had to restart my life again. And I picked it up really very quickly. 
and if you would have asked me at the time, I said it was my knowledge about property and my knowledge about money and wealth, but in fact it wasn't. I realized afterwards it was really more related to my mindset and the way I thought. And one of my transformational uh, events was when I actually went to a five-day seminar up, up, up at uh, Coolum on the Gold Coast over 20 years ago where I actually set out the path of what I wanted to do and interestingly I've achieved almost all the things I've wanted in some areas significantly more. I learned the power of personal development of modeling successful people and mentors and I've spent millions of dollars over the years doing that. I should have done it much sooner. But when I started off, Caroline, I think I was, first of all, a bit stingy and cheap. I wasn't wealthy. I didn't have money. And I thought I couldn't afford it. And the other thing is I wanted to try and learn from experience. And boy, is that hard and is that demoralizing. So I've put together all my knowledge about being successful. And these traits translate across multiple arenas. So successful chair traders share similar traits with successful property investors, successful business people, and successful entrepreneurs. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So I've distilled it down into the information that I wanted to know many years ago, the studies of not millionaires, but multi-multi-millionaires. To be a millionaire today, Caroline, isn't very valuable. It gets you a double garage in Sydney, doesn't it? doesn't get you very far. But if so what we've done is put it into an orderly program, a layered state that you can have one-on-one, um, sorry, weekly training sessions which are video-based, written, and also home play. You actually have to do some work. I call it home play, but I guess it's really homework, plus a number of one-on-one sessions with me. And the concept is my mentorship program helps people become more successful in all areas of their life. While I'm a property uh Buff, I actually, this mentorship program hasn't got much to do with property at all. It has really to do with being the best you. Um, and so you can find out about it at michaelyardney.com.au, michaelyardney.com.au, where I explain it a bit more. And uh, just find out about it online. And I'd love to have some of the talking trading people as my mentors, some of the most fun, enlightening conversations I have uh, on my one-on-one sessions are with uh, the Louise and Chris's uh, clients from Talking Trading. Michael, thank you very much for your time. That my pleasure, a- Caroline. And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week to hear Mentor Re Anton Destunas on his inspirational trading journey and how he overcame crippling injury to be a high-income earner in the markets. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.